Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Alan, listeners, everybody, welcome to Homo Sapiens. Thanks, Chris. How are you doing? I'm smashing, thanks. Isn't that the most English way of replying? Smashing, thanks. <laughs> smashing. Smashing. Do you know what I was laughing about last night? I don't know why I was thinking about it. It was the thing that you said in one of our podcasts. And you went, uh, I'm so sorry, I'm terribly vanilla. That's what you said. <laughs> Do you know what it is as well? Like, I think, I think it's important to come out as being vanilla. You know what I mean? Abs- like, oh, I think I'm all it's for so, it. Yes, so vanilla pe- pride. People sort of pretend like they're absolute monsters in the bedroom or that they have big penises. And I'm like, I don't have a big penis and I'm not a monster in the bedroom. I'm not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, totally. So sue me. Uh, average penis pride and vanilla pride. I mean, I wouldn't go average. Like, well, know, what? Thing <laughs> of beauty has been said. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Would you mind telling me the name of our guest today? Our guest today is Eves Matthew, and e- this is an interesting uh, uh, interview because we actually interviewed Eves about a year ago, and we yeah. were going to put his interview out uh, recently, but we felt that would be disingenuous considering what has happened in the world since we spoke to him. Indeed. Eves is a queer black man. He's a very famous model in America. He's modeled for Burberry and Calvin Klein, but he's also a musician. And from the kindness of his heart, he spends tons of his time volunteering at LGBT homeless shelters or looking after older people in old people's homes. And he adopts homeless puppies. Like, you couldn't meet a kinder person. But uh, obviously... Since the murder of George Floyd earlier in the summer of 2020, Eve's life has changed hugely and he has become, for me, a source of information and really has become a a warrior in this fight. Really, this is the story of someone who has put this incredible career on hold to go and join the front line of Black Lives Matter. He also advocates a lot for Black Trans Lives Matter. It's incredible. So this huge thing has happened in the world, but also very specifically to Eve. So we've decided to interview him again in the light of that. And that's, uh, I think that's a first in Homo Sapiens. Yeah. So, you know, Eve's is one of the people who has been so vocal in the most recent section of Black Lives Matter. And so it felt like you just couldn't use an interview from before the George Floyd protests, we want to talk to him about how he's doing and what he's been through. Um, but and and the thing that is incredible about him is the amount of love and forgiveness and positivity he emanates in the face of. Oh, it's yeah, incredible! Just the light that shines out of him is is he is an amazing person. Can you tell us just what your life has been like? since the beginning of the summer 
you know, in the beginning of the summer, I was in quarantine with the rest of our world. And as more of the brutalization of the police was made known to the public, the uprising began. Mm-hmm. And so there's kind of like that defining decision of do I stay inside or do I go? Me being the person that I am, I, <laughs> I definitely went. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> yeah. You know, in the beginning, I remember they were telling people, you know, to make sure if you, if you have any tattoos or anything that can make you identifiable to cover up. And unfortunately, but also fortunately, uh, about 92% of my body is covered in tattoos. So I, at first I was going out in a turtleneck and like a ski mask and gloves. But I mean, it was summer in New York. Yeah. And so that lasted about two days. And I was like, you know, if they're going to find me, they're going to find me. I don't care. And the more work I was doing around my own neighborhood, I kind of felt the incentive to go to smaller towns and smaller cities and smaller neighborhoods to kind of encourage them to show them that, you know, us in the bigger cities see them and we're aware of what's happening uh, where they're at. So I started to just uh, take money out of my savings and travel city to city. And I've been to about now, I would say 26 different cities. Wow. Um, I've been arrested in nine of them and I've been jailed in four of them. Wow. Whenever you go to these cities, you learn about even more names and more lives that have never made the news and will never make the news. Mm. Um, But the fact of the matter is that a life was taken and that it is a life to begin with. When you've been traveling around, like, is there times when you felt like you're getting somewhere? I do have uh, moments of hope, um, but they don't last long. Like, we're reminded every day that we don't have as much value as the lives next to us. Mm-hmm. To me, like, one of the beautiful things and also sad things is seeing little children at the protest mm-hmm. with posters and signs and just... um they're in solidarity, but I'm like, these kids aren't, can't even be kids. Like, why aren't they riding bikes? Yeah. You know, why aren't they learning how to paint? Why aren't they in dance class? Why aren't they taking karate lessons? You know, just like things that kids yeah. like to do. And when I, so when I was in uh, Wisconsin in Kenosha, where uh, Kyle Rittenhouse shot and killed two protesters, that following weekend, there was a, uh, a white lives matter rally that was taking place in the very same space where all of the black lives matter rallies were happening. And I was thinking to myself, how is this not intentional Mm -hmm. out of all the places you could go to in this town, you pick Mm -hmm, the one spot where the black people have been meeting up to march and protest. And so, you know, we went there to counter protest. And when we got there, there was a table and there was this, uh, people were just signing up to preserve white rights and when I walked up, I walked up very cordially and I asked this woman, I was like, I just need you to help me understand. I just want to know what, like, what are white rights? What, ha- what are you deprived from? What, what is stopping you from advancing as a person mm-hmm. in your career, um, politically, socially? What is, what is your handicap? I just, I, w- I really want to know. And um, she was shouting in my face and she was like, you know, I'm no different than you. I'm here fighting for my rights. And I'm like, what are those rights? And I mentioned to her that in the crowd that she was in, there wasn't anyone wearing a mask. But there was also a young girl who was maybe four years old who had a sign um, and it was a fraction and it was the word white over black. Mm. And I asked her, I was like, does that little girl know how to read? 
because I'm pretty sure she didn't make that sign. You know, and it's like mm. the day before that, I was feeling super encouraged and I was happy. And we had um, purchased a bunch of uh, local fruit and vegetables and brought them to different families in the neighborhood and hung out and like played jump rope. And then the next day I saw that. And- like one of the things I was going to ask you about is this thing that I find so amazing that you said that black joy is a form right. of protest too. Yeah. And like, just when we look back in history, you know, during the times of heavy slavery, there were still moments of rejoicing and dancing with one another um, mm-hmm. for the simple fact that, that your people were alive, even if they were suffering. Mm-hmm. And that same attitude, I feel like, has transferred generationally, where I think that some people have this idea in their mind that just this year is when police brutality has started, but it's been happening before all of us yeah. were even around here to of course. witness anything at all, you know? And it's yeah. to be able to sit through that and witness that and also have the energy to go and pick up some burgers to grill for your family and listen to music in your backyard. To me, that is like one of like the biggest slaps in the face to the oppressor. Mm-hmm. Is to show that, you know, we witness ourselves being killed every day. You take away our jobs. You take away our resources. You make it so we are living in neighborhoods that never see any sort of growth. But yet we're still dancing. Yeah. We're still smiling. We're still making plans to have a cookout. Still, even with all of this, with all the blood that has been shed, with all the blood that is shed, we are still taking the time. Yeah to celebrate each other. And that to me is protesting against this system that so consistently tries to remove any possible bit of thing that we could ever reach out to, to make us happy or bring us any form of solace. We find that solace within ourselves. Don't you feel that there has been some sort of societal shift this time since George Floyd yeah, you do. I mean, I, I think the reason why that this feels different because I was, uh, I was telling some close friends in my family this that the only reason why the uprising has had such a rising that it has has this year is because white people have joined the conversation. Mm-hmm. Because before this, it was just black people and black indigenous people of color talking to each other about mm-hmm. the issues happening to each other. It's easy to be in a room of people and say like, okay, I agree with you. I agree with you. What, what do we do with this agreement? Yeah. Like where do we take it after this? But when you add white allies to that space, white people are able to enter spaces that I can't enter mm-hmm. yeah. socially and have conversations that yeah. also I can't have with other people. So whenever I go to protests, especially like through my travels and I see a lot of white people at protests, I'm actually so happy. Because I'm like, you are going to be able to go into jobs and go speak to members of your family who would never talk to me about what is going on. And that to me is like what makes this uprising different than the uprisings in the past. And also, this is one of the first uprisings that has involved and talked about trans people. Mm, Right. And the uprisings in the past have not included trans people. And even so now, trans people still aren't even included enough in the conversation. But I feel like... A lot of times, too, with an uprising as big as this and as effective as this, it also creates um, a different kind of fear in people as to when when they don't want to talk and they don't want to speak out. And 
What do you mean? What does that mean? Like, I think that people more so with, um, with men, I wish more men were outright and out front about supporting, um, trans people. Yes. You know, and, um, and supporting, uh, the movement as a whole. I went to a, I was at a march in, um, in Minneapolis and this guy walked up to me, not knowing my sexuality or anything about me, just Mm -hmm. walked up to me and he said, man, he's like, I wish I could get behind the movement, but I'm so tired of seeing all these women lead these protests. And I was like, excuse me. And he was like, I just wish it was like a strong man leading us. And I was like, you know what you're talking about. All I know is that there aren't enough women already period um, being uplifted and supporting this movement. So how, I was like, were you not born from a vagina? Like, where did you come from? Like, what? And you're telling me you're not going to follow a movement because you are upset that more women are leading the protest. I was like, where are your friends? Like, yeah. Where are you? Like, where are yeah. you? Like, why are you walking up to me? Like, do you think I'm going to agree with you? Like, I just I don't understand like why you can have the energy to say this but you can have the energy to walk up and see how you can get involved. And the assumption that you would agree with them speaks volumes too. Exactly. Exactly. You know, cause people associate certain types of styles or looks with a certain way of living and they yeah. assume. So he thought you were going to agree with him because you're tatted and pierced. Correct. And he thought that you're going to. Right. He probably thought I was, just, I was a straight guy who right. was just hanging out there oh, to I just see, hang I out. But I was like, wrong, 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 wrong. Yeah, <laughs> right. Wrong on every on every level, <laughs> you know. Somehow moving beyond this idea that a, a person standing across from you is whoever it is 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 the same as you, and also particularly when you know what springs to mind when I think of you specifically, Eves, is like you're this person who adopts puppies and goes and plays bingo with old ladies. You know, there right. isn't an, a exactly. warmer person I have ever encountered. I actually, amazingly, um, in March, was recognized by the Manny Center for the amount of hours that I've put in going to feed and play bingo uh, with my seniors, wow. which was crazy to me because I I had never even thought about the hours because yeah. I was... I just love going so much. I wish I could go every Mm -hmm. day. But even with COVID, like we couldn't be around seniors. Of course, yeah. But yeah, in March, I was recognized for how much time that I've been going there. And how long have you, how how long was that? Um, So it was every Monday for three years. That's Um, great. And so when I first started going there and going for bingo, you could tell that none of them have ever like had a conversation with someone that looked like me. Mm -hmm. And so the reason why it was so special for me is because I was able to be like a door to like another life that they may have not been exposed to. And maybe like in the future, if they were to Mm. come across someone who looked like me, it would, um, they would have more of a unbiased opinion on who was making their acquaintance. I remember you saying that people, you were there completely voluntarily and you do it from the love within your heart. But yeah, people would say to you like, oh, are you here on a prison program or something? Exactly. People thought I was there like for probation time, like to get community service hours from jail <laughs> or like crazy well, now things. Now you can tell them yes. Now, now it's, it's the truth. <laughs> exactly. And so whenever I was there, you know, I was like, no, I just really like 
being here. People thought also that I was being paid to be there. And I was like, no, and I also don't want to be paid hmm. um, to do hmm. this. I just really care about them and they mean a lot to me. To me, even just saying that sounds so normal, but I feel like because of where our society is, that people don't think that you could just care to care. There has to be something right. else. Yeah. There has to be something extra in order for you to show empathy for someone that's not yourself or someone that you do, like yeah. don't like directly know. And so yes. in my time with them, we ha- have developed and grown such a beautiful, beautiful relationship. And all like literally all I do there is just I we cook food, put it on a plate, serve them food, clean dishes, and play bingo. I miss I miss those moments so much and those uh, interactions. And they really, most of all, help me out with um, mentally, like my mental health. There is an interesting thing in older people become invisible in a slight way that you've talked about. It's totally, totally different, but with black trans people and, you know, but, but, yep, but you, of course. you totally through that are practicing what you preach, which is I go to people who don't get seen. Who aren't seen, yeah. And I don't know, right. and who may judge me, and I give them love. And you don't even ask for any fucking praise. You just do it. Yeah, yeah. and I don't want mm. anything. Like, I don't... Like, people, like, message me all the time, and, like, I have... I try my best to respond to as many DMs as I can, but Christ in, in heaven, there are so mm. many messages. There's so many. I'm sure. And, you know, people sometimes, you know, say, like, you know, what can I give you? What do you need? I'm like, I don't need anything. Just be nice to your neighbor. Oh, like, that's nice. Do, do you know one thing that we're, that keeps coming up again and again is that people saying that, like, Black Lives Matter didn't start this lockdown. You know, it's been going on for a long, long time. And I, I remember you telling us a story about being in an Uber pool a while ago. Yes. Because it's such yes. a perfect example of how insidious this has been for such a long time. Right. So I was in an Uber pool and um, I was picked up at night uh, by the Uber driver who happened to be a woman of color. I had seen that there was already someone in the back seat. So I was like, oh, there's someone in the back. I'll just get in the front. This was, this was like pre-COVID time where you could sit in the front seat of an Uber. Yeah. And so I sit in the front seat and when we start driving, the woman in the back seat says, oh, I need to get more pepper spray. And the driver looks at me and makes his face. This is the driver. And I was like, pepper spray? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, it's whatever. Like, it's fine. Cause, and even just me saying it's whatever, it's fine, shows you like the conditioning mm-hmm. of me training myself to be okay with people saying negative things around me, even if they're indirect. Yeah. Well, she said that just like, she didn't mean we've got to stop and I've got to pick up some in the store. She meant just like, as a, like, I, I, am, I am intimidated by you. Like seeing Correct. you reminded right. her that she needed pepper spray. Right, because I look, quote-unquote, dangerous. Right, yeah. And so as we're driving, sometimes in the Uber pool, if there's an address that is before or after the person, they could drop you off. They could drop the person off first, even though you have been in the car mm. longer. Right, yes. And so we're driving, we're going over the bridge, which I don't think she was familiar with, and we hear her whispering on the phone, and she's making a phone call. And she's like, um, please help me, um, my driver is pretending to be lost. I'm, I'm being kidnapped. <laughs> and the driver looks at me and goes, kidnapped. And I looked at the driver and I was like, kidnapped? We like mouthed it to each other. Because we like, I thought I was hearing stuff. And so did the driver. 
it was one of those moments where like something is so serious, but it's like kind of comical because you don't know if it's real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And we keep driving, and we make it over the bridge. We get to like this uh, stoplight, and I see police cars. And I was like, oh man, like something's going on. The driver goes to turn, and one of the cop cars pulls in front of the Uber car. And I was like, what? And the woman in the back, she starts screaming, and she's like, you guys are trying to kidnap me? I know you're kind. Da-da-da-da-da. Just like screaming at us, screaming at us, screaming at us. So you're never going to take me? And I'm like, what? And she, she but if I didn't say this, but she is a white woman. She's a white woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a white woman. And um, even with all her screaming, I was being really cordial, and I was like, I was like, ma'am, something is wrong with you. I was like, can you please like calm down and like you're being really disrespectful. She was like, don't you even try it. She was like, I'm ready, I'm ready to go. Da, 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 da. And I was like, what? As all this is happening, I see an, the officer walking out of the car. My phone was like on my left leg near where the seatbelt thing is, and so I go to pull my phone out to pull up the Uber app to show the officers that this is Uber. Mm-hmm. My phone falls in the seat ah. space where the seatbelt is. So I go to reach for it. And as I'm going to reach for it, the cop takes the back of his gun and hits our car window. I like jump and the woman puts her hand on my leg and she was like, please don't reach for your phone. They will shoot us. And I told her out and I put my hands up and I was like, I'm totally fine. Like, I'm okay. I'm not going to reach for it. I'm not doing anything. And the cop then has his gun at the window and he's telling us to get the F out the car right now. As he's opening the door, the woman behind me in the seat, she has already opened up her car door and is still screaming and shouting at me and the driver saying that we're sex traffickers. And so I get out of the car, my hands are up, and he's saying, um, he said, two people here are involved in illegal activity. And I said, I don't know anybody here because it's Uber Pool. And he said, someone here made a phone call. And I was like, my hands were, I was like, she made the phone call, her I was like, she behind me, the one who's screaming right now, the one who you're not mm. talking to, she made the phone call. Talk to her. Ask her why she called mm. you. Ask why she made the phone call. Everything said, I'll talk to her once I find out who here uh, knows who. And I was like, sir, I was like, you can have your other officer come here and get my phone and pull up Uber. I'll give you my password, whatever you need to look at the app. And the license plate on the app will match the license plate on the car. I was like, I don't know anybody. This is Uber pool. And he said, I'm going to ask you one more time. What, who do you know here? And I was like, I don't know anyone. Mm. This is Uber mm. Pool. He finally walks around to the driver. Meanwhile, this woman is still in the back seat screaming. Mm. What? And her car door is open and she's still shouting at us. He walks over to the driver and he says, um, how do you know this young man? And then she says to him, every single word he has told you has been truth. She said, I'm an Uber driver. I can give you whatever information you need to show you I'm an Uber driver. She said this, this woman was threatened by this man before he even got into the car. So before I even got into the car, she was saying stuff, not even knowing I was the other passenger in the Uber. Mm-hmm. She was already saying things before I even got into the car. So me getting into the car made her even more irate because she was like, oh, I have to get pepper sprayed, da, 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 after making comments about me before I even entered the vehicle. Wow. They never once, they never once spoke to the woman in the back seat. They walked around, escorted her out, and took her home. And and then we drove away. Wow. And wh- where was this? Which city? This was in New York. Wow. Oh, my God. Was that in 20, oh 2019? God. Yeah, in New York. And and it's it's that it's that thing of, like, 
the assumption of what's going on just by the color of the skin without any questioning. They never even ask her. Exactly. Um, um, It's just, I think the saddest thing about that is the tacit knowledge between you and the driver that how this is going to go, you know? Right. Exactly. When my hands are up, when I was with my phone, she said, if you go to reach for your phone again, they will probably shoot us. But she said that in the same comments of someone saying, I'm going to make coffee in the morning. You know, it was just kind of this, this, um, such a part of your life. Right. It's like this contentment of knowing that like you might die today. And it's just something that it's like inevitable. It's something that you can't, you can't fight. It's, it's such a natural part. And unfortunately this natural part of you being alive is knowing that like that life can be taken for something that you have no control over. Yeah. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And when I was at the protests in Washington, we got to hear from like so many different families who lost their children to police. But there was something that one of the moms said that I really like, that just really hit me. She said that even though the police pulled up and like, and there was only one black person there, the police, they see five black people and they see one black person. Mm-hmm. So whenever you like, I, I, we see videos or things happening where a black person is detained there is multiple officers. And the reason why there are multiple officers is because they don't just see one black person. They see five black people that they think have super strength and super speed mm-hmm. and are able to withstand any sort of harm or anything at all. So they need twice twice as much of force yeah. to handle them. So I so in all the times that I've been arrested, there there's at least five police. Right. And even down to when I was arrested in Nashville them having me stand and saying that they have no idea what I'm capable mm. of gives birth to that idea that they didn't see one black person handcuffed me. They saw five black people. And a conduit for fear, you know, and a conduit, yes. you are danger. Yes. And that's beyond exactly. the person, the organism you are standing there, isn't it? It's like, yeah, the, it's like the, what was the thing that the member that Hillary Clinton said in the early 90s i think and it was it's this word is kind of like it was like a sort of a superhero uh criminal but also obviously a black oh, yeah. criminal i can't remember the phrase but it was you know it's this idea of like the the black man as this sort of negative superhero of a mm. superhero of badness right. and of uh, of scariness that is is it's still so prevalent it's so crazy right I mean, and that same like way of thinking has, I believe, has stemmed down from slavery. Yeah. The the juxtaposition is so strange to me because they're in the same breath not seeing you as fully human, but also seeing you as superhuman. Yes. Mm-hmm. 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 
And it just, it's just so strange to me. It's like you don't, I don't exist to you, but also you need twice as much, as much force to handle me because you think I'm stronger mm, than yeah. you. Yeah. But also you were saying, Eves, about there's only certain kinds of black lives that reach the news. And it's when there's, exactly. there's something that spikes in the story that's hooky and shareable that doesn't even represent the problem. Exactly. Which, and I, I posted this thing and I said, um, you know, some people look really stupid um, only advocating for the lives that they would be attracted to in comparison of just thinking of someone's livelihood. And the reason why I said that is because, you know, if we think about not even just from this year, but in 2017, 55 black trans women were murdered. 55. Mm. 55. Like, where is this energy for black trans people? Where is it at? You know, and even going to protests, you know, people are saying names. I'm like, how many times have we heard the name of Tony McDade, who was a black trans mm. man? How many times have we heard the name of Nina Pop, who was a black trans woman? You know, it's like, I, I, I think that there's this, thing that people create in their heads of like, oh, if I wouldn't date someone, I'm not going to stand up for them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm like, that, that. can we, can we like just abolish this idea of like equating like someone's like attractiveness to us and, and how we would like respond to them being in a tragic situation? Why? Like, can we just like care for someone because they are someone regardless yeah. of what the situation was? I mean, this is a human being versus a person. And can we just care about them? Are there people supporting you, though, as well? Yeah, so-so. I bottle a lot of things in because like, I would rather be like the, uh, the carer mm. than the taken care of. I, that's also another struggle of mine where I'm very like, um, um, let me do this on my own. I don't want people to worry about me in a sense of like uh, reliance. I prefer to be the caretaker, mm-hmm. even if I'm not taken care of. Where do you think that comes from? Um, a lot of it does stem from just me growing up and not really being a talkative kid and um, keeping to myself and staying more in the shadows because I never wanted to feel like a burden to anybody. And I also didn't really want to express um, things that bothered me because I just want to have those talks because I myself didn't know what the answers were. Or um, if there were answers. But being gay and stuff, you mean? or, or Yeah, exactly. Gay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, like just being like, I was a young queer kid and I, there was no one, no one around me who was queer and um, who I felt could handle what I wanted to say. Um, yeah. And even now, like there are certain things that I, uh, I keep to myself. It's so ingrained in you from such a young age to just, you know, let a secret be this big inside you, that you exactly yeah that you just don't even notice i've seen you take sort of you know mental health days yourself i've no, i've seen that in your on your postings and stuff like that right yeah because even before this i was doing this thing um once a month where i, I do a self date where i get like really dressed up and i put my phone on airplane mode and like i like watch a movie or something with just myself so nice. but i have been doing those throughout um my travels because usually it's like with my travels. So like the way it works is I'll usually get a one-way ticket mm-hmm. uh, to wherever I'm going. Uh-huh. In the case that I do get arrested, I don't have to worry about mi- missing another flight because I've missed so many flights already. And so if I have like an extra day at a hotel, 
that I in a city that I thought I was gonna get arrested, and I used an extra day to go swim in the hotel pool, and I'll go and buy some fruit. I'll cut up some fruit, put my phone in airplane mode, listen to Stevie Wonder, and just hmm. chill by myself and just relax and let myself breathe. I also had a self date where all I did was sleep for 24 hours. Wow. Wow. I just slept the entire day because I was so, so exhausted. And I had spent the night in jail previous that the previous day. And it was so cold in there that I couldn't really fall asleep. And I tried to make a pillow out of my shirt and like a bunch of napkins, but it just did not work. So I didn't get any sleep. And I was in there for like 16 hours. Wow. And so when I got out, yeah. I went to my hotel and I slept for the whole day. And I was like, this is going to be today's self date. And I, and what I wish was that like before when I was doing my self dates, they were more intentional, but now my self dates was like, I have to do it because my body will give up on me. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Talking of which, not talking of which, but maybe lighten up the conversation a wee bit. Alan's going to do a number. <laughs> Give me a C. <laughs> you, you hum it, I'll play it. Um, no, I want to talk about your penis, uh, Eves, because uh, you recently, that's why we got you on here. Exactly. That's the whole no, point. Of because you had it tattooed recently. I did. In the midst of all this, you had your penis tattooed. That's what I call a self-date. Right, it, was, it was a good self-date. It was a painful self-date. Jesus Christ. I can imagine. That's what I want to talk about. Why did you decide? Yeah. To, I actually, I never thought about it because you're almost uh, all of your body. I saw you did something yeah. else. You got something else tattooed recently. But I got of, good trouble tattooed after my uh, court date. Yeah, good yeah, yeah. trouble. I love ah, that. That's so great. Um, but you said you got your penis tattooed. I was like, gosh, I never thought if you had it, would have had it already. But so why hadn't you and why did you and... What was it like? The reason why I didn't get it done yet was because I wanted to like wait quite a bit until I had more coverage and also really sit down with an idea mm-hmm. that I was gonna like really love mm-hmm. and not get something that was like uh punny <laughs> or or inspired by John Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I wanted something also that was like um that would make sense with the rest of the work that I have. Mm-hmm. Um on my body, but most of all, I wanted to find an artist that I believed um, could do it justice and has also tattooed areas like that before. And that's that's some trust. Is it, and also such a very sensitive spot. Yeah, yeah. And the skin there is just different. It's almost because I have my armpits tattooed, and it's like that same type of skin, but even more um, sensitive. Apparently, it's the same skin as your eyelid. Yeah, oh, it's yeah, very. That makes you have sense. to like. It's very stretchy. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I and I have been thinking about it for a while. And with the protests, you know, I I with my travels, I hadn't had like a moment to get tattooed or I haven't had a moment to tattoo my penis. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so this amazing, amazing artist um, named Jasmine Wright, who had I seen this picture a while ago that she tattooed of this uh, this beautiful tiger's mouth on this woman's vagina. And uh I was just obsessed with the quality and it just looks so, so good. And I was like, okay, I'm going to like inquire about this and see if I can get tattooed by her. And where, where is she? Which, where is she in America? She's in New York. Actually. Oh, she is. Yeah. She's in New York. And so, and I, and I had plans to, um, 
stop in New York for two days to do laundry and repack for the next group of cities I was going to go to. And so I messaged their shop and I was like, hey, like I would love to get tattooed. And then the very next day they messaged me. And so I was like, hey, I can like skip laundry this day. I get my penis tattooed and then do laundry. And so I like messaged her my idea and like what I wanted to do and like just wanted to be very tasteful. And I was like, yeah, I have an idea for um, a snake, like a snake head and like the tail and like flowers. And so when I went to the shop, she like showed me what she drew up. And I was like, yeah, this is incredible. And so we put the, we had to put the stencil on a few different times because it's such a tricky spot. And also I had shaved like two days before already kind of like prickly. Mm. Uh, so she was like trying to like, yeah. So she was trying to like figure out like how to like shape it and like where to put it. And when the tattoo first started, I was like, can you like just let me know when we're going there so I can just like, so it's not like a shock to me. I can just get ready. And she was like, oh, she's like, oh, you'll know. You'll know. <laughs> That's <laughs> just what you want to hear. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> And I was like, okay, but like, it's crazy because her saying that, even like now I can think about it, it was, it was legitimately like flipping a switch to turn a light on mm -hmm. because when she was on my waist, like the switch was off. But the moment the first tip of the needle started to go down, the switch turned on. It was excruciating. <laughs> it was so, so painful. <laughs> it was so ridiculous that I had a flight. The day after. But don't you have to like, you've got to keep it in a plastic covering. Yeah, so, so and I not, was bandaged. Yeah. So I, I was walking like I was wearing a diaper. <laughs> and I remember I was, when I got to the airport, I had like my carry on and my check bag. And I'm like waddling like a penguin <laughs> to go to like drop my bag off. And I can't even make any eye contact with people because of how much pain I'm in. I'm, my eyes just Ooh. start watering. And so she was like, oh, would you rather, um, a window seat or um, an aisle seat. And I was like, is there any ticket that allows me to just walk <laughs> like up and down the aisles or somewhere I could stand? Oh, sitting. Oh my God. It must be excruciating to sit. Nightmare. So I was like, is there anywhere I could like, I could like stand and just be strapped to something? Could you tell her why? I did tell her. I told, <laughs> did you? <laughs> I told her. And she was like, she was like, what? And I was like, yeah. She was like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm serious. And then she like called over someone else and she was like, I want you to tell her what you just told me. And I was like, okay. And she was like, you got your what, whated? Wrong person. Yeah. And I was like, I got my penis tattooed. And she was like, well, I'm up. She's like, I'm awake. That's what it is. But I presume there wasn't it. That wasn't your request was not met. You were not able to be strapped to like. My the request wall. was not met, but I did like I did sit in an aisle seat, but I like put up the armrest and I kept my legs like straight out. Mm. Ah, right. Like almost the entire flight. I mean, it was just it was so 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 painful. Like two whole days, I was just like. In excruciating pain oh. um but now it's healing so it's like doing perfectly fine but i'm so happy i only have one <laughs> one penis <laughs> yeah so it never has to get tattooed again i can't believe that's your uh, sort of self-care day doing some laundry and getting your penis tattooed as it was happening i was thinking to myself I'm like how am i gonna load the dryer <laughs> <laughs> I do exhort you all to follow him on Instagram. It's really incredibly illuminating and 
passionate and heartfelt and honest and a real insight into what is actually going on. It's at eavesdropper. Yeah, and when when you, we all feel, or I, I, I certainly feel, overwhelmed by the enormity of Black Lives Matter and what can I do and, you know, am I doing enough and all of that. Like, you know, that thing where he said, just be nice to your neighbour. Yeah, you know? yeah. We can all do that, and actually, that would huge have... repercussions. Just being kind and compassionate, yeah. and open and listening. Yeah. Just please write to us about this conversation with Eves. Uh, you can write to us at hello at homosapienspodcast.com. or you can get in touch on Instagram at homosapiens, or on Facebook, which is at homosapienspodcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and also leave a review if you like. That would be nice. Anyway, we'll be back next week with Homo Sapiens Extra, and uh, I'm sure that will be a lively conversation. Oh, you know. In the meantime, take care and brush your hair. Goodbye. Lots of love. Hello, everybody. It's Alan with a little postscript about Eves. I just wanted to tell you that I spoke to him very recently, and he seems in a really good place. He's back making music. He was actually filming a video of one of his songs, He's still protesting. He actually got arrested the other day by the NYPD. He's been very vocal around the US election, but he definitely seems in a much better place than he did on that day that we spoke to him. And I just wanted you all to know that. Okay, take care and talk to you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Powered by Spirit Studios.